0: Welcome on into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Mother's Day. I hope you're having a fantastic day getting to celebrate with family and friends. I hope you're getting to sleep in and maybe have a day off (laughs) if that's what you're needing today, too. Uh, Today's episode is going to be a little bit unique. This week, the University of Utah did a Facebook Live, I should say the University of Utah Hospital did a Facebook Live um, talking with Dr. Erin Clark. She is the Division Chief of Fetal and Maternal Medicine, and they talked all about uh, pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, concerns, during COVID-19. I cannot even imagine being pregnant right now as far as the uncertainty and the worry that comes with giving birth, being pregnant, being a little bit more at risk or vulnerable um, at a time where there's a global pandemic happening. So I feel for those moms out there who, uh, especially the first-time moms who are uh, pregnant, wanting to uh, have some sense of certainty, and especially the postpartum period. Anyone who listens to this show on on the regular might know that I am a huge advocate for maternal mental health, and the postpartum period is one of those times where women are so vulnerable, um in normal conditions, and then you add this pandemic on top of it, it just brings a lot of uncertainty. It can be scary for a lot of people. So I thought that this interview between uh, Dr. Aaron Clark and then Suzanne Winchester, who is with the communications department at the University of Utah Hospital, was so fantastic that I wanted to play the whole thing for you. um, Because it it calmed me and I'm not even expecting and so uh, hopefully if you are expecting or um, you know someone who is this can just bring you a little bit of relief but they answer a lot of your questions for you. So I'm going to play most of this interview in its entirety. Um, this is Suzanne Winchester with the University of Utah Hospital. You'll also hear Dr. Aaron Clark who's the Division Chief of Fetal and Maternal Medicine at the University of Utah Hospital. I wanted to start out
2: talking to you about, Dr. Clark, is um, with everything that's happening right now, what are some of the main things that you've been helping your patients with to navigate um, the changes of COVID? Just let's just start with um, prenatal visits. What are those looking like? like that are different from what they were before.
1: Yeah, thanks Suzanne. It is a high risk, it's a high stress time for people. You know, anxiety about pregnancy is ubiquitous,
0: but with COVID (laughs)
1: on top of it, people, especially with the uncertainty of what's going to happen and what impact that might have on pregnancy, people are nervous. We do our very best to allay those concerns and to keep things as normal as we can while also keeping moms and babies as safe as we can. For prenatal visits, the biggest thing that people are going to note is that in order to you know, help to mitigate exposures, we're trying to keep people out of the office, out of the hospital, as often as we can safely. Um, so for low-risk women, some pregnancy visits can be omitted entirely safely. A lot of times, you know, people still want contact with their doctor or midwife, and so we're substituting a lot of those visits with telemedicine visits. Those visits work great. You can still see your provider. You have time to ask questions, to get reassurance. And we're giving people the capability to do some home monitoring with those telemedicine visits so they look and feel more like the usual office visits.
2: Right, yeah, we had talked about um, some women are able to get the Doppler equipment and do that at home. Um, I know sometimes that there's a little bit of, um, it's just different. You don't have that face-to-face interaction with your care provider, which I know, especially as you get later into pregnancy, there's a lot of comfort with that, just knowing that you can check in, especially when you get late term where that's a weekly visit. Yeah. Um, So how have your patients been dealing with that, and kind of how do you help reassure them during especially the third trimester and as they get closer to delivery?
1: Well, the telemedicine visits have actually been a really good substitute. I mean, you get uninterrupted face-to-face time with your provider. Mm -hmm. So I think it actually fulfills that need better than we would have anticipated. That paired with the fact that we do ask women to have a scale and a blood pressure cuff and a fetal Doppler where they can measure the baby's heart rate at home. That provides reassurance too. It just looks and feels more like a normal visit in the office. Right. Um, And we're careful to tell people, you can't do all virtual visits, but boy, you can get away with, if you're low risk, just a handful of times coming to the office at times when you need things like an ultrasound or a physical exam or laboratory work or routine vaccinations in pregnancy. Um, So we're still seeing people face-to-face for those things. And the nice thing about prenatal care in general and about telemedicine visits is that we can be incredibly personalized and flexible. So you want to see us more often? Great. Do you want to see us face-to-face or telemedicine? If we can get away with telemedicine, we should do that. Mm -hmm. But it allows them to have pretty easy access to us, and I think that has allayed a lot of concerns. You know, you need to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us. You want to see us, you can see us. Um, So that telemedicine component has allowed us to meet people where they are and to reduce the number of contacts that they have while still giving them the high-quality prenatal care that they deserve. Okay.
2: Um, One thing that sort of led us to want to do this Facebook Live today is we have two co-workers who are expecting babies right now, one in, I think, a couple of weeks, one in July. So one thing I wanted to ask you, which probably a lot of pregnant moms are wondering, so say you are getting ready to deliver um, and barring any other unforeseen complications, what will a standard delivery look like? And let's just take our hospital, for example, at
1: University of Utah Hospital from kind of start to finish during COVID. So in the usual circumstances, the timing of delivery, whether you're induced or not, whether you have a vaginal delivery or a C-section, should really be unchanged. Mm -hmm. So when you come into the hospital, if you have a scheduled delivery, if you're scheduled for an induction or scheduled for a C-section, we're doing something now called universal testing. In order to know who has COVID and who doesn't, everybody who has a scheduled procedure is coming in for COVID testing 24 to 48 hours before their admission. So we put in an order, they go through drive-through testing locations usually, and we have a result before they even come to the hospital. Lots of women do not have a scheduled delivery. Right. You know, Part <laughs> of having babies means that you don't exactly know the timing. So when people show up unscheduled, which happens every day, almost every hour, we then send the testing when they arrive. And we have two types of testing, one that gives us results within about an hour and one that's a little later, and we try and judge which type of testing to send when they come in. But the bottom line is, we should have a result on everybody who comes in to labor and delivery. And that allows us to counsel women about risk to them, about risk to exposure to their babies. Um, And really, other than that, we are just taking excellent care of people on labor and delivery, and they won't feel much different, with the exception of a couple of changes in policies. One is that we're restricting the number of people who come in with them. Um, we're saying, you know, you can have one special support person with you. You get to choose who that person is. But the times of having, you know, five, six, or seven family members in the room Mm -hmm. is over for now just because, again, we're trying to reduce exposure to people. So you get that one special person. Right. If you had planned to have a doula or someone with you, well, we're still encouraging family members and doulas and other people who they had hoped to join to join, but they're doing it in a more creative way. So we're seeing these people on screen using, you know, video chat to and FaceTime, so they're still involved in the process, but they're not physically present. We know that sometimes that's a poor substitute, but it does still allow that engagement from other family members and support people that people really want. Right. Um, Hospitals are dealing with um, how to mitigate exposures in different ways. Um, At the University of Utah, we have decided that in order to protect our providers and still to have enough providers to continue to do deliveries even through the pandemic, um, and to protect patients from additional exposures. We're having the on-call physician on labor and delivery do the vast majority of deliveries, meaning the on-call person for your group is the person who's gonna do your delivery. That means that sometimes I will miss my patients' deliveries when I, wasn't able, when I wouldn't have before. Okay. So um, we're asking a lot of patients, we're asking a lot of our providers to be more flexible during this time so that we can keep people safe.
0: That is Dr. Erin Clark. She's the Division Chief of Fetal and Maternal Medicine at the University of Utah Hospital. You've been listening to an interview between she and Suzanne Winchester, communications uh, person with the hospital. Uh, they have been talking about uh, some of the pregnancy concerns uh, and those prenatal visit concerns among, amid this COVID outbreak. We'll take a break. More from their chat when we come back on The Mom Show. You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Mother's Day to all moms out there. I like to dub this day our Super Bowl because everyone should be honoring us. Hopefully you're getting a chance to get the break (laughs) that you need today or sleep in or whatever you need today. I hope you're getting it. Okay, want to continue playing uh, this conversation that was had on Facebook Live with the University of Utah Hospital. Dr. Aaron Clark, the Division Chief of Fetal and Maternal Medicine, is answering the public's questions about pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum during COVID 19. This is a time that's got to be so scary for pregnant moms and especially postpartum moms, too. Um, You know, from personal experience, experiencing postpartum anxiety, I know that just in normal circumstances, my germ awareness was so heightened and I was actually diagnosed with postpartum OCD. And so I can only imagine what it's like given the conditions that we're dealing with right now. So hopefully um, you or someone you know, if you're expecting, this helps you a little bit, but you're going to hear two, two voices on this interview, Dr. Erin Clark and then Suzanne Winchester is with the communications department at the University of Utah Hospital. So you'll hear her asking some of the questions. Um, what do we know right
2: now about um the risk to pregnant moms for getting COVID, is that different or are we learning more kind of day to day? I know that things are changing really rapidly the more we learn about the virus. Um, what, what have you
1: seen in terms of that? Our knowledge is certainly evolving. You know, this is, um, we learn more every day about how this virus functions. What we know so far is that it seems like pregnant women are just as likely to get COVID in the first place just as likely to show symptoms and just as likely to get severely ill as other people in the general population, um, pregnant women have some unique things about them. you know their immune system is not quite the same. Um, their immune system is built to tolerate the baby, which is only really half genetically them, right so their immune system is modified, and that means that for some infections and influenza is the classic example, we know that women are more likely to get severely ill if you get influenza, which is why we push flu vaccines. Um, a lot for the pregnant population. Mm -hmm. For COVID though, it seems like so far, women are no more likely to get severely ill than anyone else. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Certainly just like um, newborns and kids and um, young adults, these people are less likely to get severely ill, but we still see cases, right? So yes, there have been pregnant women who have been severely ill. There have been pregnant women nationally who have died of COVID, but it doesn't seem more likely to happen to them than someone who's not pregnant.
0: Dr. Erin Clark is the Chief of Fetal and Maternal Medicine with the University of Utah Hospital. Uh, You're listening to an interview uh, done by she and uh, the communications person at the University of Utah Hospital, Suzanne Winchester, uh, talking about all of the pregnancy and delivery and um, postpartum questions for pregnant women out there during COVID-19. And one of the big concerns that they discuss is passing coronavirus onto your baby. Yeah, so there's two
1: separate questions really. Is One is, does, can she pass it to her fetus? And then the second is, can she pass it to the newborn after birth? Um, we call the passage of the virus through the placenta or through the process of childbirth um, to the baby as vertical transmission. Mm-hmm. Vertical transmission has not been proven for COVID, um, meaning we don't think that it's, it, we are not seeing cases of newborns being infected because they got infected in utero. There have been a couple of case reports that have have asked the question of whether this might have happened, but it has not been proven. And so, so far it seems to be following the path of other respiratory viruses. Other respiratory viruses don't seem to pass to babies in utero and that seems to be true for COVID-19 as well, at least based on what we know now. Passage to the newborn is a different question because as soon as that baby's born, if mom is infected, yes, there's a possibility that mom could infect her newborn. And so we have to take some precautions. Um, I think one of mom's greatest fears is that if she's positive and she gives birth, that her baby's going to be taken away from her. And we really ri- try and reassure pa- parents that we are, our job is to arm you with information and then to have shared decision making between parents and the healthcare team to decide what's best for you in this circumstance, what's best for you and your baby. Separation is one option, meaning keeping you know, a baby who has COVID or is suspected to have COVID away from other babies, um, other families, and to also isolate mom. But there are other strategies as well, such as allowing babies and moms to be in the same room, but to take precautions against spread. That might mean that you pump breast milk and give it to the baby safely. It might mean that a mom chooses to breastfeed, but uses good hand hygiene and wears mm-hmm. a mask to prevent droplet exposure to the baby. Sometimes, even if they're in the same room, we'll put the baby a little farther away and with um, sort of a curtain in between to prevent droplet spread. Right. You're still together. Right. You can still choose to, like I said, give breast milk by bottle or to breastfeed. There's some data that breast milk is actually very good in this situation because it gives some necessary antibodies to babies. Okay. So the bottom line is that we talk to parents and families about the options and come up with a solution that seems right for everybody.
2: So I think you know what everything that you've been saying is kind of key to what we've been talking about in a lot of other subjects, but I think so pertinent to this subject is communication and finding strategies of working through this time that is just so pivotal in so many people's lives. But you have to keep going, right? I mean, you have to find ways through this to make sure that everyone is feeling as safe as they can yeah. in this time that's really uncertain. And so I think it's just so important to be able to let people talk about it and what is you know a concern to them and what is making them feel nervous about this because it is you know it's an uncertain thing to go into at what point would it be safe to work outside of the home once they've delivered the baby and have had that time where it's essentially like a built-in quarantine right a postpartum time yeah Um, what might that look like in this new reality
1: I think the advice is probably similar for when you're pregnant or for when you have a newborn at home. Um, Because we don't think that pregnant or immediately postpartum moms have any higher risk of getting the disease or getting severe illness, we ask those people to take the same precautions as everybody else. So can you work outside the home? Yes. You have to be especially careful to follow the recommendations. We recommend you wear a mask, the people around you wear a mask, that you physically distance as much as Mm -hmm. possible, that you use good hand hygiene. Um, I think it becomes a little more complicated when you're talking about a healthcare worker who might have direct exposure to known covid cases and in those scenarios you know although pregnant women don't seem to be affected more severely it generally makes sense if you can stay out of for instance rooms that have known covid positive patients or suspected covid patients maybe you mitigate your own risk by staying out of those rooms and some women towards the end of pregnancy are choosing to have less exposure especially if they're a clinical healthcare worker meaning come off of clinical work for a couple of weeks before delivery mostly with the idea and sort of self quarantine a bit more with the idea that if you get an infection in late pregnancy it may have implications for that decision to separate mom and baby so they're trying to come into delivery with the lowest chance of having a recent infection as possible Right. I think all those same principles apply for when you're immediately postpartum. Right. Um,
2: we have a question about um, getting tested pre-delivery. Um, what about the partner that's coming in? What, when would the partner have to get tested? Does the partner have to get tested before the delivery? What, is, what does that look like?
1: So the support person is not typically tested. Um, They're not our patient. As long as they don't have symptoms, we're just asking everybody to wear a mask when they're um, in the hospital. Um, People who have symptoms are asked not to be in the hospital at all. um, And that person might talk to their own healthcare provider, and they probably should go through the testing mechanism. But our focus is on testing mothers when they come in. Okay. And for
2: the support person, are they able to be with mom all through labor and delivery from start to finish?
1: Yeah, so they ask it to be the same support person. This is a university policy. Every hospital and healthcare okay. system is tackling this a little bit differently. Right. But for us, we say, yeah, we want you to choose that one special person to be with you, and that person will receive a band and will be with you from labor and delivery through with the postpartum stay.
0: That is Dr. Erin Clark with the Fetal and Maternal Medicine Department at the University of Utah Hospital. You're listening to an interview with she and Suzanne Winchester of the Communications Department talking about pregnancy risks during COVID 19. A fascinating interview will continue when we come back. It's the toughest, most important job in the world for kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Mother's Day. Hope you're having a fantastic day and getting everything you need today. Uh, I want to continue playing this interview for you. This week, the University of Utah Hospital did an interview on Facebook with Dr. Erin Clark. She is the Division Chief of Fetal and Maternal Medicine. And she, along with Suzanne Winchester, who is in the communications department there, are talking all about pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum risks right now, given COVID-19. You know, this is such an uncertain time for all of us let alone being pregnant, delivering a baby during this time. I thought this interview was just had so much good information for you that I wanted to play the thing, the whole thing in its entirety. So you'll hear both of their voices on it. One of the questions asked was about an eight month pregnant nurse working on the front lines. Oh, that's a good question. What do you say, Dr. Clark? Yeah, we get a
1: lot of these questions, of course, because people are wanting to be as safe as they can during Mm -hmm. pregnancy. Because pregnant women aren't Um, affected more often or affected more severely. We don't have a medical reason that we say these people can't work, Um, but there's a couple of precautions that we've already talked about. One is that you know if um, there's sufficient workforce, which we certainly have right now in the state of Utah, if you can be a frontline healthcare worker but can stay away from COVID positive or suspected COVID positive patients, that's one way to help mitigate risk. And the other is really just to consider if you can um, limiting your clinical exposure in the last few weeks of pregnancy. Because again, that makes it less likely that you're going to have a late infection that might have implications for you and your baby. Mm-hmm. So some people are choosing to work entirely through that time. Other people are taking those precautions as able. Right. Um, it's really dependent on your individual situation and we encourage people to talk to their human resource department, to talk to their administrators to determine the best solution for them. Right. So, one thing we've heard um, a few
2: people mention is that they're having shorter stays once they've delivered, Mm -hmm. as far as as long as everything's healthy with the baby. Is that something that moms can expect when they're delivering um, during this time?
1: Yeah, so there has been a boot, even before COVID, there's been a big national push to get people home a little sooner. the hospital is not your lowest risk environment. You tend to see more people and have more exposures in general. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have been trying to move towards earlier discharges in general. And for us, that certainly sped up that process mm-hmm. to get people the option to go home sooner. Um, we typically are sending folks home with an uncomplicated vaginal delivery after 24 hours. Some stay up to 48. And after a C-section, it's more like two to three days. Um, If people are wanting to go home and they're medically doing well, we try and get people home on the earlier end of that window. But we're careful to emphasize that, again, we individualize it for the woman and her family, and if there's a reason that they want to stay later, then we are working with them to individualize their plan.
0: That is Dr. Erin Clark. She is the Division Chief of Fetal and Maternal Medicine at the University of Utah Hospital, talking on Facebook Live this week about everything that pregnant women need to know right now, uh, giving birth and postpartum and prenatally surrounding COVID-19. It's a a very uncertain time for them. You're also hearing the voice of Suzanne Winchester, who is the communications department. She's asking the questions on this Facebook Live.
2: We have a question about uh, birthing classes and Mm -hmm. preparing. Is there a way that women can do that virtually now um, to be able to get ready for delivery? Whereas before, you know, when you're in a birthing class and you're right there with all the people and you can't really do that in a social distancing setting... What do you recommend for women that want to be able to prepare? And you know, is there a way to do that virtually and have that be as effective?
1: We have all had to be more creative with yeah. regard to how <laughs> we're communicating in the time of COVID. So as much as possible, all of these efforts toward education have gone virtually. Um, so at the university, a lot of our childbirthing classes um, and postpartum classes have gone to a virtual format. Is it exactly the same? Probably not. Is it still really good information? Yeah. Um, one of the things they do with the birthing classes is that they do a tour of labor and delivery and walk you around to the rooms. Mm-hmm. Well, that part also can be done virtually. Right. <laughs> um, so we're substituting the physical you know, closeness of that sort of teaching experience with a virtual teaching experience, which so far seems like it's actually gone very well. Um, and along with that, what about um,
2: postpartum? then does that happen virtually? And um, another question that we've had about that is, does the support person get to come to the postpartum visits or is that just mom and baby?
1: Yeah, so for the postpartum visits, it really has been mom only when it's a physical appointment, just again with the idea of reducing exposure Mm and bringing a new baby back into the hospital. Yes, they've got to do some pediatric appointments, but for the postpartum visit, it's usually just mom. Whether that happens virtually or face-to-face really depends on the situation. If a woman needs a physical exam, and very often she does, then we would ask her to come in face-to-face for that visit. But oftentimes, recovery is uncomplicated, mom and baby are doing great, and a visit can be done virtually. A lot of prenatal care and postpartum care is counseling and reassurance and talking through issues like postpartum depression, monitoring blood pressures if people have had something like preeclampsia. We are discovering that a lot of what we used to think had to happen face-to-face can actually happen really effectively through a virtual format. Um, we're doing a lot more monitoring at home in terms of blood pressures and blood sugars and weight and everything else, and mm-hmm. then just come together in that virtual format to discuss how people are doing. It has, it has gone very well, but I, I always tell people, if you want to be seen face-to-face, if there's a reason that you need us to take a look at you, we absolutely will. Um, Speaking of that,
2: in terms of high-risk pregnancy, um, I heard from another friend who is having a second child and her first one was high-risk, and she had asked about being able to see her own doctor for Mm -hmm. delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, How does high-risk kind of factor into what's happening now, and how, how does your team manage that? where it's someone that really does need to be monitored more closely and potentially in person and kind of weigh the, you know, the balance of that with the balance of mitigating uh, COVID.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think is one of our strengths is that we're able to care for that spectrum of low risk to very high risk really mm-hmm. effectively as a team. Um, we always have an obstetrician gynecologist on labor and delivery, and we always have a high risk um, physician also on call. So how we divide that work depends on a person's individual circumstances. But we always have a cadre of experts available 24-7, no matter when you walk in. You know, if you walk in at any time, you should be able to get that expert specialty care. So we have both of those members of the obstetrics team, we have pediatricians, neonatologists, anesthesiologists, you know, I always tell people we're a 24-7 deal. Right, <laughs> so, yeah, so
2: is delivering babies, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so you,
1: whether you come in as a low-risk, uncomplicated, hands-off, midwifery experience, or whether you come in with very severe complications in pregnancy, we're ready to tackle it the minute you walk in the door.
0: That is Dr. Erin Clark. She is the fetal and maternal medicine chief at the University of Utah. This week, uh, talking on a Facebook Live about all the risks and all the concerns out there for pregnant women. More from their interview when we come back on The Mom Show. Back inside The Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us today and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I hope you're having a fantastic day and you're getting everything you need today. Hopefully, you're sleeping in and getting breakfast brought to you in bed and you don't have to do any dishes. That's my hope for you. Um, all right, we are talking about all of the risks and whether there are increased risks for pregnant women right now during COVID-19. This week, the University of Utah Hospital did a Facebook Live answering all of your questions, and I thought the interview was so fantastic, with so much good information, I just decided to play the whole thing. So you're going to hear Dr. Erin Clark, she's the Division Chief of Fetal and Maternal Medicine, uh, talking with Suzanne Winchester of the Communications Department, and I'd invite you to podcast. Wherever you podcast, just search for KSLOM Show the rest of this episode, and I'd invite you to give it to anyone who's expecting who might need some reassurance right now.
2: We talked a little bit about you know the potential of whether or not if a mom was COVID positive would that be transferred through breast milk. Um, Any other tips or best practices about breastfeeding during COVID? Is there any implication there just in a regular setting um, that moms should be aware of or that they should be careful with?
1: Sure. So I think, first of all, people should know that we have have not found the COVID virus in breast milk. Um, So there doesn't appear to be a risk of transmission through breast milk. And in fact, antibodies, one of the ways we protect protect newborns from early infections is by breastfeeding, the antibodies come from mom to baby. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the best ways you can protect your baby from all sorts of infections. Um, When it comes to breastfeeding, really the only thing that's altered is if you actually have are known to have the COVID virus. And then we talked about, you know, you may choose to separate um, and to express breast milk with a pump and then have someone else give that to your baby to reduce exposure. Um, Or if you choose to breastfeed at the breast, you just have to make sure that you're taking good precautions with hand hygiene and masks. Um, Otherwise, we just, we remain big advocates of breastfeeding for its benefits, and that should be unaltered in the time of the COVID pandemic. Okay. Um, One thing that
2: I've been thinking about with postpartum, when I had my first baby, I remember my mom came and stayed with me for like Mm -hmm. a week, and Mm -hmm. I truly was like, I don't know how I would have survived without her. So the implication of older adults being more at risk for COVID, um, what can moms do if they can't maybe have like a grandma, come and stay with them and help them? Or when could grandma or older relatives come over and either stay or visit the baby? Because that's this huge part of welcoming this new member into the family. What does that look
1: like now? It's such a hard question. I'm not sure that there's a right answer. And I think every family has to kind of think about their unique circumstance and do what they feel comfortable with. Um, presumably if you've been in a hospital and you have tested COVID negative as part of the delivery process your risk of having it and giving it to grandma and grandpa is pretty small Mm -hmm. but it's not zero. Um, There are other household contacts who have not been tested who could still give it to your relatives because really mom is the only one that we're routinely testing. We talked about that at the beginning. Right. Um, So there's a risk that you, although you're healthy and your family's healthy, could give it to these more vulnerable people who are coming in to help you. And there's also a chance that even though these relatives have been quarantining as best they can, that they could bring something to you. Um, So I think every family has a different threshold for how much risk they're willing to accept. For some people for whom that help is critical, they might say, You stay home, quarantine as best you can, so that we are are reassured that we have the lowest risk of giving each other something when you come to help us. Right. And other families are going to say, you know what, we're doing okay. And, you know, maybe they have a partner who is home more, working from home more, able to offer more support. It's unique times, you know, with COVID. Sometimes there are resources we didn't have before. And so they may say, you know what, let's do a bunch of FaceTime to introduce you to this grandchild, and we hope to reunite sometime in the future. That's a discussion that every family is going to have to have, right. and
0: they're going to come to different conclusions. Yeah. That's Dr. Aaron Clark, the division chief with fetal and maternal medicine at the University of Utah Hospital, talking with Suzanne Winchester this week about all of the risks and concerns for pregnant women right now during COVID 19. One final question. What do you see in the future as maybe how long
2: these different regulations might be in place, and also just do you foresee um, a new boom of quarantine babies coming <laughs> something that i 've been wondering
1: <laughs> there has been lots of speculation about this baby boom that will come. I guess it remains to be seen um, if it happens, I guess we 'll be ready for it as far as like how long the current restrictions will last I think we're all we all have an evolving Understanding of COVID-19, but we're all pretty convinced that this is going to come in waves, and so University Hospital and other healthcare systems have kind of thought about this in terms of you know levels of protection, you know red, orange, yellow, green, in terms of how we roll forward or roll back some of these uh, protective mechanisms. Mm-hmm. You know when will providers be able to come in and deliver their own patients? When will we loosen the visitor policy? I think we the answer is we don't know, but we are hoping to base it on real data and the prevalence of the virus and the degree of spread in our community. And I suspect that the policy may sort of wax and wane over time as we see a change in disease activity. We're committed to trying to keep our patients up to date. So every single visit, we're focusing on COVID for a little bit of the appointment and talking to people about what's going on now, what do we think is gonna go on when you come in for labor and delivery, can we foresee? what what we're going to what stage we're going to be at when you come in
0: it's an imperfect yeah. game but one that we try to play That is Dr. Erin Clark, Division Chief of Fetal and Maternal Medicine with the University of Utah Hospital. You've been listening to an interview with she and Suzanne Winchester. Uh, This week, they took to Facebook to address the public's concerns about uh, pregnancy during COVID-19, and I invite you to podcast this entire episode, wherever you podcast, just search for KSL Mom Show, some great information, and I found reassuring information for the uncertain times that many pregnant women find themselves in right now happy mother's day to all the moms out there we'll be back next week on the mom show